My Other Face by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 9, No Help for Martyr. At the midnight, in the silence of the sleep time, when you set your fancies free, will they pass to where by death fools think imprisoned? Below he lies, who once loved you, whom you love so. Pity me? Epilogue to Esselando, Robert Browning. Dawn had just broken over the sleepy town, but Marta Pendleton was not in any mood to sleep. What little sleep she managed to get the night before was enough to sustain her into the next day. First thing she did was to get to the telephone to call Weissman. He genuinely seemed intrigued by the details of the events in the third floor bedroom. She stared out the window, watching the sun come up over the New Hampshire mountains as he spoke. A new day had broken, but the same old problems remained. I know what I saw. I was confused when it happened, but I stick by my story. I saw all those things last night, all of them. Okay, as uh, fascinated as I am by this story, what the hell is going on? Unless it was some kind of ghost, she thought out loud. Oh, no, there ain't no ghost. I don't believe in spirits. Well, I do. Okay, I'm using the life-after-death logic. You said it was his mortal body. Look, Mata, I'm going to take a walk downtown. I'm going directly over to the station. I'm getting Hastings off his butt. He's going to find out what happened to Jamie once and for all. We'll find him. I'm sick of all this being up in the air. I can call you as soon as I get back. No, I'm going with you, Bernie. I'd advise you to get some rest. You've been through a lot. Let me handle it with Hastings. No, I'm going. I don't need any rest. All I want is the truth. Now, will you pick me up or shall I drive down there myself? Okay, have it your way. Give me 40 minutes. I'll bring you into town. Good enough. I'll be waiting, Bernie. Weissman arrived at the farmhouse a few minutes late, having taken time to remove all remnants of his liquid breakfast from his breath. The pressure had just been too great for him, and he told himself the alcohol was very necessary for him to be able to function at all. He drove his tiny gray Porsche through the college campus into the northern part of town to the farmhouse. Marta was wearing a pair of faded jeans and a puffy winter coat. The smell of Listerine was in the air. What happened to this car? She asked as she sniffed and closed the door. Sorry, it must be my mouthwash confessed Weissman as he hadn't realized the extent of the odor. He backed the car around and she stared at the white clapboards of the shutterless house, looking briefly at the third floor window. Right there! It happened right there! Weissman gave a fleeting glance and stepped on the gas. His head was still buzzing from the booze. Just a matter of time here. Matter of time? That's a good one! She remarked as he drove toward the center of town. Marta's heart pounded as Weissman took the shortest way downtown. This route brought him through the college. Buildings were all too familiar, and the memories of the so-called good times were coming back to her. There were no life-threatening problems way back then. Granted, the split with Pendleton was inevitable, and relations with him were constantly bad. The studying was demanding, but all that seemed so easy now. It was easy because it is what they wanted to do. So were the good times. She gazed over the old brick buildings and she could almost place herself back in 1966 or 67. Quiet walks at night, 
past the fresh beds of flowers under the maple trees. It was all there before her. The trees were a little larger now and the flowers were months from pushing through the snow, but it was the same place and she could not have it. The time had passed. Jamie had become distant and now he'd be gone forever. That library brings back memories, said Marta as she looked up its 26 floors. Should have never been built. It's ugly, ugly. But it does bring back the memories. So long ago. We all had so much going for us, she said, and that seemed to hit a raw nerve with Weissman. Did she really know what had happened to him after all these years? Oh, well, I shouldn't harp on those days. Things have really changed. Look at us. You mean I'm stuck here as a two-bit teacher? Blurted Weissman. No, I didn't mean you, Bernie. The great Weissman, who bragged what a fine lawyer he'd be. No, Bernie, I'm the one who just hasn't adjusted. I haven't adjusted as well as you think, said Weissman as he drove onto a wider road that led to the center of town. Consider yourself lucky that you're not like me, for God's sake, she said as they neared the town square. Weissman kept his mouth shut now as he drove right past the clock tower and up to the tiny brown building down the street. The word police was stamped across a white globe atop the pole to the station. He parked his car next to the pole and got out. The streets were nearly deserted on this early Saturday morning, and they walked up to the front door. It was, however, locked tight. Not like Hastings to be late, said Weissman as he looked at his red digital watch. Why, it's almost the gong of the massive clock tower overhead drowned out his words. What were you saying? 7.30, he said as he looked across the street at the church and searched the square. The rockery occluded the view of the sidewalk in front of the retail shops. In a few seconds, he saw Hastings emerging from behind the rocks, carrying the morning paper under his arm down the sidewalk. There he is, said Marta as she saw him and pointed across the square. Hastings caught sight of them and looked like he wanted to turn around, but it was too late. Civility kept him marching forward. Oh, come on, yelled Marta as she took Weissman's hand and pulled him down the sidewalk. Hastings had just crossed the street as they met him. Marta could see in his eyes he was not happy to see them. Good morning, he said quickly as he stopped. Have you had any luck, Mr. Hastings? She asked as she began walking toward the station. Can't say that I have. Probably haven't looked at all, have you? Asked Weissman. Look for what? What's it to look for? Laughed Hastings as he glanced at the newspaper headlines in order to avoid Weissman. You mean to tell me you haven't looked for my husband? Nope, I haven't, he said as he increased his stride. What about the car, the witnesses? Somebody must have seen him. I'm afraid you're the only one who saw something up in that bedroom, Mater, he said as he stopped and looked her straight in the eye. Why, how do you know that? Who did you talk to? Oh, nobody. It's just that no one has collaborated your story. Or they would have called me by now. It's all over town. What the hell is this stupid town paying you for anyways? She shouted as Hastings began to walk again. Mata, Mata! Called Weissman as he tried to calm her down. Look, Dan, can't you call the state police or something? I mean, we may have had a possible murder here. You seeing things too, Bernie? Or is it just the DTs? Sneered Hastings as he walked ahead of them. DTs? Who does he think he is saying that to you? Asked Mata. He's a stupid fool. My husband could be dead. He is dead. 
they watch Hastings come to the door of the station and go inside. Dan can be pretty thick-headed sometimes. Give him a few minutes inside and then I'll go in and I'll talk to him. It's got to be something he can do, whether he believes your story or not. This whole town is getting on my nerves. I knew I shouldn't have come back here. I had a feeling about this place. As much as I have some fond memories, I could sense disaster, and I still have that feeling. Can't spend your life relying on those feelings, said Weissman. Look, Bernie, I knew Jamie was gonna die. I had this really deep feeling about it. Never had a feeling like that in my life, but I had that feeling back in California. Weissman didn't know how to answer her. He didn't believe in her psychic abilities and wanted to change the subject. Let's go over to one of the benches by the rockery, he suggested. That would be a good idea, she replied, nodding her head. He led her across the slushy street and up the frozen path to the benches atop the rocks. The sun, having been up for an hour, was just coming over Weissman's apartment hill, and the fresh sunlight poured over them. You know, said Mater, as she brushed the snow off the bench and they sat down. Oh, that's cold. I remember this place in summer, not in the dead of winter. I just look back to those warm summer days, children playing down below, people holding hands, lovers lying on blankets on the grass, and I don't think about the cold, she said as she looked up at the American flag, flapping at the top of the flagpole. Yeah, I know what you mean. The students have gone home for the summer and just the townies are here. I know that feeling. Cars are all ceased to exist and the place is gentle. I can see the sun in the west coming through the green leaves, and I long for those days. But I envy your being in California. I never knew that. I thought this was your ideal place, away from the city, the place you always wanted to be. At least that's what I remember you saying when you were in school. Well, it hasn't been all fun and games for me up here, but I know of no other place I want to go. I like the college atmosphere, but the isolation sometimes gets to me. He said as he very much needed a drink. Can't say I like the wall-to-wall -wall asphalt in California. There must be some other place, a place where there's security and love. I can empathize with you, Mater. I'm afraid our problems are more inside ourselves than any other location. That place, Shangri-La, could be Los Angeles. It could be St. August or anywhere. It could be any of those places, depending on what you get out of life. If you just exist without any goals or hope, then any place can be hell. But if you strive and look ahead, the world becomes a different place. I only wish I had those qualities, and I don't. You're drinking again, aren't you? That seemed a shocking coming from her. He could take Hastings' abuse or the remarks of people from the town, but coming from her, it was as if he let her down. Yeah, he admitted, I've been drinking. I've been drinking for a long time. It keeps me going in this stinking place. And why don't you leave, Bernie? She asked, putting her hand on his. You can't just destroy yourself. I don't leave St. August for the same reason you went away. Security. That's the real reason. Admit it to yourself, Marta. Security. You don't have to worry about things when they stay the same. You don't have to make any plans. You don't have to adjust. You don't have to grow either, she said as she thought back to her life in California. I feel, Marta... He said as he tightened his mouth, I feel like I haven't moved forward at all. I'm right back in 1966. My beliefs and attitudes, they're all back in 66. I still listen to the same music. 
breathe the same kinds of uh, rebellious bullshit, eat the same hamburgers and french fries, I'm stuck. Can't change. It's all too much of the same. Oh, I know the trap so well, Bernardo. I can't cope either. You have the bottle and I have my delusions of reality. You stay here in spite of the world as it changes and I can't do anything but retreat inward. Last night, Mata. I don't know if I totally believe what you're saying, but I understand. Well, well, I was just thinking, as I was trying to get to sleep, that incident in you. You were never a person to deceive yourself. I know that. This is one of the first things I noticed about you way back then. Maybe that's your problem. You can accept the blunt reality of life and then your mind reacts accordingly. I mean, you know, with the flashes, it can be your only escape. But that was the black and white flashes. You say these things you saw last night. I know what I saw last night. I'm willing to admit it may not have been reality. I only know what I know with all my heart and I believe it to be true. Then we have to go on that assumption. He said diplomatically. That makes a grand total of two people against the rest of the world. Not according to Emerson. Oh, and what did Ralph Waldo have to say about people believing in the truth? Emerson said no man thoroughly understands the truth until he's contended against it. Always with the quotes, Bernardo. I say let's contend and see what happens. That's the only way we're going to find out the truth about Jamie. I know the townspeople will speak up against us. Just look at Hastings. If you're right, Marta, then we don't have to worry about what they think. At this point, I don't really care anyways. I just want to get to the truth, she said as she looked up the hill at the entrance to the massive stone church. McAllister was coming out of the large red doors. He walked down the wide granite steps, dressed in his long dark coat and black slacks. Even at that distance, his eyes seemed to penetrate across the square. That's McAllister. I haven't seen him in years. Marty, you talked to him last night. I must have been out of it. Did he really believe my story? Ah, you know, preachers, they all think they're sympathizing with you. It's their job, smiled Weissman as McAllister made his way across the street. What about old man Pendleton? Asked Marty. Surely he must be upset about this, even if he broke up with Jamie. The old man doesn't care. Above everything else, Jamie is his son. Must mean something to him. I'm getting tired of that idiot Hastings, she said as she visualized the sidewalk conversation with the chief. He's got a lot of nerve. Maybe we should just call Pendleton ourselves. He could get things moving. I don't know, it might be worth a try, but he hates you more than he hates Jamie. I know that. Look, let's go over and talk to Hastings again, all right? Good morning said McAllister as he came up the ice-packed trail to the bench. Good morning, Reverend. I understand you came up to Bernie's apartment last night and talked to me. I felt an obligation, Mata. You and I were friends long ago. Yes, long ago. I must say I could have used the Lord last night. Excuse me? said Weissman, wanting to leave at the mention of anything religious. Hey, Nat, I'll be back in a minute. I'm going over to talk to Chief Hastings about a certain Lieutenant Nichols. You want me to tag along? No, I think I can handle him now. Good. Mater and I will just have a little talk, he said as Weissman scurried down the trail underneath the rockery. Weissman had a flask in his pocket, and when he reached the cover of the rocks, he pressed it to his lips. Temptation had been too much. 
He put the flask back in his pocket and walked toward the street as if everything were normal. Reverend, said Mater as she sat on the bench, can God really punish people for things they're not aware of? God forgives Mater. He doesn't punish. When something goes wrong in one's life, sins are committed, then the Lord is ready to forgive. New paths must be charted. You mean a clean slate? Yes, if you follow his word, stated McAllister. What about ghosts, Reverend? I remember when I was in college, you conducted, oh, don't remind me, the great seance of 1966. I received a barrage of criticism for that untimely act, except for those who truly wanted to see it. But most people were aghast. Do you believe in ghosts? She most desperately wanted to know. Yes, I understand there are unfulfilled spirits who drift aimlessly about searching for answers. It can be contacted if done properly. Last night, I saw Jamie's body float through the wall and, and right through me. McAllister raised his bushy brows and seemed to assume a different character. Making a reference to the supernatural was one thing. Contacting it was another. And her revelation frightened him. He looked up at the spire of the church and over toward the graveyard hill as he shook his head. Martyr, sometimes the mind... I saw it, Reverend. Don't start being like Hastings. I saw it. There's no doubt in my mind. So you're saying that you're convinced that your husband is dead? No, I'm saying just the opposite. I want to be sure. I want to know the truth. Then I can rest if he really is dead. Maybe if he's dead, he can be contacted. I don't know what you mean, said the Reverend, trying to be evasive. Yes, you do. You know exactly what I mean. I want a seance as soon as possible to find out once and for all what happened last night. If we can somehow find Jamie, then we'll know. That's what's important. But it's been all these years, and the townspeople found out. It would ease my mind. You know, the problems I've had. I just want to know one way or the other, whether Jamie's alive or dead. Well, I need time for preparations. How much time? Oh, tomorrow night, he said, feeling the pressure. That's too long, Reverend. Make it tonight, after everyone has gone to sleep. I don't want any interference, and I'm sure you could keep it hush. You know, I'm taking a big chance by doing this. Yes, I know, and I'm grateful. Very well, make it midnight, but you must tell no one. You must not let this get out. And I will only have my most trusted friends at the house. I'll bring Weissman. I doubt it. Weissman doesn't believe in spirits, he said. You remember where my home is located. On the river road, about a mile from the skating rink, she told him. Yes, that's right. Good memory. He said as he rose to his feet, looking as if he had regretted coming down the hill. And Reverend, we'll know for sure, she said as she looked up at him with her big brown eyes. Yes, we will know for sure. He put his coat collar up and slowly made his way down the path back to the church. Weissman was roaring mad with Hastings. Perhaps it was the booze or maybe his frustration over Marta's condition. In any event, he was tired of Hastings' inaction. Look, Dan, I'm sick of your bullshit. She said she saw it. I don't care about her past. 
her problems or whatever could have happened. That's the point. It could have happened and you're treating this like it certainly did not happen. She's nuts, Byrne. She ought to be sent to the loony bin. I deal in facts, said Hastings, still reading the newspaper from behind his desk. Then how's this fact? I had the phone number of a certain Lieutenant Nichols on the state. Nichols? How the hell do you know about Nichols? Asked Hastings as he looked up from the paper. Aha! Aha! I struck a nerve, didn't I? Said Weissman. It's right at the barracks up in Concord, just waiting to hear something mean and nasty about his friend in St. August. Look, Weissman, he said as he rose and pointed his finger at Weissman. You can't threaten me. Oh, no? Asked Weissman as he picked up the receiver and started dialing. Five, nine, six, seven, two, nine. All right, all right. I know you've been talking to the Reverend about this. And don't you go around telling anyone else about Nichols. Now, if the Reverend wants me to go out and check around the town, then I'll go out. But don't you put the squeeze on me, Bernie. And it's just going to be a waste of time, you know. He said as he grabbed his coat. Because she is crazy. Just get back to me soon, Needle Weissman. I'll get back when I'm good and ready, snapped Hastings as he exited via the rear door. Lieutenant Nichols, called Weissman with a grin as the door closed. All the exuberance called for a drink. He tipped the flask and looked toward the common. Marta was sitting alone now on the bench above the square. He stuffed the flask back in his coat and hurried out the front door to the station. Bells were ringing eight times as he walked down the path to the top of the rock roof. What did he say? said Marder as he approached. He just went to go look at and ask questions, said Weissman as he did not want to get too close. How did you manage that, Bernie? she asked. She could smell the liquor but was unable to hurt Weissman's feelings by pushing the matter. A little friendly persuasion with the aid of the Reverend. Really? she asked as she stood up and wiped the water from her jeans. Yeah, he gave me a number to call in Concord if Hastings gave me any trouble. Good. The Reverend is performing a seance tonight at his house at midnight. Now we can get to the bottom of all this. Seance? That's crazy, Marder. It's nonsense. There's just no basis. Then you'll just have to bear with it. Me? He snapped as they started walking back toward his car. I'm not going to that seance. I told him you'd be with me, she pleaded. Weissman, still having feelings for Marta, could not resist her request. Oh, all right, and if it'll make you feel better. But I doubt it will. Just remember, I think it's all a clock. Let's see how you feel when it's over. She smiled and they got back in the car. Join us next time for My Other Face by Robert P. Fitton. Produced by Fitton Theatre of the Words.